How long are you going to live? How long does your money have to last? What are you going to do with all of your time in retirement? Today, we're going to talk about the history of retirement in the United States, and we're going to take a look ahead at how it's likely to change and impact you and your retirement for the decades to come. Well, hey there, and Happy New Year to you. Welcome to Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt here with Kevin Krosky, President, Wealth Advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you in Northeast Ohio, Southwest Florida, and the greater Pittsburgh area, or wherever you are. Schedule a time to meet with an experienced advisor on the team at truewealthdesign.com. Kevin, did you enjoy the holidays and have a good start to the year so far? Yeah, everything is fantastic. The girls, um, you know, there's a little bit of worry initially because we did the migration from Ohio to Florida just after Thanksgiving. And oh my gosh, is Santa going to know where we are? Is he going to get confused? Are we not going to have presents? And uh, you know, no worries. Santa found the kids and everybody had a fantastic Christmas. What about you? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, Connie was working over the course of the Christmas weekend at the hospital, but we had the following week to head up north, visit family, got to see a, a couple of family members that we hadn't seen since the beginning of the pandemic. So it'd been two Christmases ago that we've seen them. So boy, that was rejuvenating and fantastic uh, to see everybody. So yeah, it, it c- couldn't have been better from that standpoint. Awesome. Awesome. And the new year is off to a good start. Uh, well, at least I think mostly, I mean, I guess the positive news is we didn't get a tax increase that we were expecting. So I'll take that as a positive. Anytime that happens is a good thing, right? I think so. Um, I'm not going to argue with that. And uh, your your family is in a stable situation now that you're settled back in Florida, but the business grew a little bit recently, right? It did. Um, you know, last year was uh, was our best year ever for for just overall growth in terms of you know some of the key metrics that we use to track the business health and how we're doing. Um, we did uh, complete a blind client survey uh, in the fourth quarter as well, which we received the results. I'll be sharing that in, on an upcoming episode after we do some further dissection. But um, yeah, we're now over you know about 300 clients that we take care of and uh, taking care of about $400 million on their behalf. And uh, we're happy to announce that uh, we actually have a recent merger. Um, and so uh, Capital Financial Group is uh, a small financial planning practice in Akron, Ohio. And uh, Rick Peterson, uh, I'm very honored to say reached out to me uh, to and our team to be the successor for him as he enters retirement. And uh, we came to agreement last year, and, and that is now in, in full force uh, as we speak. And so uh, we have uh, a bunch of new clients that we'll be welcoming to True Wealth and looking forward to meeting and taking great care of as well. Well, that is fantastic. And yeah, welcome to the family. Uh, those of you who are uh, new to the True Wealth Design team and also, um, you know, the podcast. So welcome to Retire Smarter. Hope you get some great education along the way as we talk about financial and retirement topics each and every episode. And we've got a good one on the agenda today. Kevin, I'm interested in uh, your takeaways as we look at what retirees want from history into the future. So a little historical perspective we're in store for today. You got it. So uh, when we recorded our last episode late last year, we did a couple fairly technical conversations, which 
Uh, I'm always a little reticent to talk a lot about a num about a lot of numbers over the podcast, but I left it that I was going to be reading a book with some time off over the holidays, and the book is called What Retirees Want, and it was recommended to me by somebody that uh, that I respect, and uh, so I I've been digging into it over the last few weeks, and I thought I would uh, talk through it. You know, some of the things that are conveyed in the book, some of the things that uh, I like, uh, intertwine some practical examples from our client base and what I've seen in practice over the years and um, just kind of share what I'm learning from it. So a little bit of softer side and not so much numbers. I like it. Let's, uh, and we're going to do this on, on at least two episodes of uh, the upcoming editions of Retire Smarter. So this will be fun to get some different takeaways. Before you dive in, Kevin, is this a book you would recommend that other people go and read or is this more of like a, a, an advisor book and not so much for the average consumer? You know, th that's a good question, Walt. I was I was asking it myself, and I didn't have a clear answer just yet. And the reason why I say that is, um, and I'm sure anybody that became an expert in, in any certain area, the more that you learn about that area, there's somewhat of a diminishing level of returns. So for me, at least so far, I haven't completed the book, but to date, there's been a lot of um, information that I that I already know um, to the average listener. Um, that may not be the case, so they may be getting a lot more out of it uh, than I do. Um, so I'll, I'm not completely disappointed. I do have a few points of objection, and I'll talk about some alternate um, sources and, and data studies. Uh, that I'm familiar with that um, is maybe a little bit at odds with some of the points in the book. But I can say the people that wrote the book, I mean, it was by uh, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, What Retirees Want. And uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Ken Deitwald, who's done a lot of um, research uh, over really the last 30 or 40 years. He has a company called AgeWave that specializes in this area and just aging and some of the impacts, uh, both individually as well as in the economy and how businesses can better meet the needs uh, of people that are aging. Uh, and then there's uh, the gentleman who wrote the book, uh, Robert Morrison. So he's uh, an author and consultant. So um, they've done a lot of joint work over the years. Uh, some of their work has been commissioned by some large financial firms to do different research and so on and so forth. So and these are definitely, I would say, two heavy hitters in the space. But um, but I don't know. I'll hold off on the on the yay or nay recommendation uh, until I complete it. All right, perfect. Well, I'm looking forward to your analysis. Where to begin? Yeah. So, so I'm. I kind of added the uh, from history to the future. I think a little bit of historical perspective will really set the stage here uh, to you know really understand some of the things that are impacting retirements and satisfaction and things along those lines. So I guess, let me just ask you a question, Walt. I don't know. You, I mean, you, you talk with a lot of financial folks. Do you, uh, are you aware uh, where the concept of retirement originated? Oh, where, where the concept of it? No, I'm not. Where or when in history? You know, it's it's a relatively new uh, like idea, right? This isn't something that people have been, quote unquote, retiring for thousands of years kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah, I guess retiring and over the thousands of years really meant death. <laughs> right. <laughs> you worked until you died, and that was really yeah. kind of pre-industrial revolution. So you think about when um, the society and economy was more agrarian based. You know, it was more family based, and you probably worked on the family farm or or something of the like until you couldn't you, you, anymore. You just kept and, slowing down, and then eventually stop was death. <laughs> you got it. And then uh, once the Industrial Revolution happened in the early 1900s, really in the U.S., and you had you know, the assembly lines and, and what have you, 
it became a concept in the U.S. at that point in time. You know, older workers may not have been able to keep up uh, the pace that they once could on assembly lines or that younger workers could. Um, Social Security was created in 1935, you know, kind of in the wake of the Great Depression. At that time, life expectancy in the 1930s was only in the early 60s. And by the way, Social Security didn't initially start paying out until you were age 65. So <laughs> on average, um, when it was put in place, you weren't expected to get it because you were expected to pass away a few years before. So that's really when it started changing. If you look kind of, I would say maybe a third stage, and that's really what the authors talk about in the book. You know, you kind of have that first stage pre-industrial revolution, then you had it, um, retirement really being an idea here in the U.S., you know, kind of with coincident to the Industrial Revolution. And then really, as our society here became wealthier, you saw a lot of increasing longevity and people were living much, much longer rather than living in the early 60s in the 1930s. You know, they're, they, today, I mean, they're adding a couple decades to it. Uh, and when you look over time, really what you found was the average retirement age decreased from age 70 in 1950. So age 70 in 1950 to early 60s, 63 and 1990. So, you know, when you see a shift like that, I mean, it's just such a huge impact. And and we're all familiar with this. We've, you think about your parents or your grandparents or, or elderly people, you know, we, we've all seen this to varying degrees over the time. But one of the things I really did like about, um, really just a phrase that the authors talked about was having time affluence. So having time affluence. So you have, you know, from the point that you retire to the point that we leave this earth, I mean, there could be a multitude of decades there. And before, and this is kind of moving from what the authors call the third stage to the fourth stage, you know, before it was, you know, kind of the golden years and maybe, you know, hey, you have some travel and leisure going on a cruise ship or whatever, but really maybe a little bit more sedentary. Um, you know, Betty White just passed away. Uh, I think it was last week or so. That's and right. And just, sh- just shy of her 100th, I think it was. Yeah, just yeah. shy. And, um, you know, I remember the Golden Girls being on when I was growing up. And back then, I mean, most of the ladies that were on the TV show were probably like late 50s, early 60s and Golden Girls. And if you say that today, I mean, I don't know about you, but I certainly don't think of somebody like late 50s to early 60s as being in their golden years. I mean, it's, no, man, has all. it just shifted a, a ton over the last few decades. No, like and, 50s, I'd say, I know a lot of people in their 50s, I'd say they're in their prime. I mean, they're 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 rocking and rolling in their in their 50s and people doing some amazing things. Yeah, and so with, you know, this increasing longevity and and wealth is definitely correlated to that on average wealthier people live longer than those that don't have it. Um it's just the way that, you know, the world works, you know, good bad or indifferent, but our country is and the world in general has certainly gotten wealthier. We've had so many advances in medicine and, and, and other areas of our lives that you know, are obviously living longer, and not just longer, but many of the years that we are living are healthier than what they used to be. You, know, you don't have to be sedentary at 65. Um, you know, the old saying that we've talked about over the years or the analogy is you know, kind of the 60s are the go-go years, the 70s are the slow-go years, and the 80s are the no-go years, and that keeps getting pushed back over time, and I think that's a wonderful thing. 
but he really drew a distinction. The authors really drew a distinction between, you know, kind of no more golden years, but really moving towards, you know, staying active, staying engaged, being purposeful with this time affluence that, uh, that you have in retirement. And so when you think about retirees that exist today, I mean, you could have, you know, still what generally could be painted as older retirees. So non baby boomers, you know, kids that, you know, when they were kids anyway, you know, with that world wars that they were, you know, dealing with when they were young, their parents, you know, definitely were hard hit through the depression. Um, so that was, you know, really stamped on their being growing up as a child. They tend to be more frugal, more kind of straight laced. And then, you know, as any old Dennis Hopper commercial that you would see from Ameriprise or or something like that, you know, you have the baby boomers that were doing the easy rider back in the days. And now, you know, they're continue to change the world and be the rule breakers and the risk takers. And um, it's definitely different. You know, I, it's hard to paint, I think, in those broad stereotypical fashions, whether you're talking about a generation or anything like that. People are snowflakes, but, you know, I guess broadly speaking in aggregate, you know, there, there, I think there is some truth to it. Um, I'm sure you, we can all think about people that we have in our lives or had in our lives where you could identify, you know, having some of those more stereotypical traits. Uh, in my life, personally, my grandfather on my dad's side, you know, he was, I mean, he was, he was that old school kind of guy, you know, he and his brother-in-law built their house, um, built the house that he lived in for more than 50 years. Um, you know, he worked for a company called American Bridge, which uh, I grew up in a town called Ambridge, a small company town on the Ohio River outside of Pittsburgh. Um, it was <laughs> at least purported to me to be um, in the Guinness Book World Records for having the most churches and the most bars per capita. But I'm sure there's, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of small, old, rundown towns that probably um, would maybe stick a claim Some to that. Similar claims, yes. And, um, you know, my grandfather retired in his late fifties and, uh, he retired with a pension. I, he retired in like 1978, I believe. And uh, they bought a, a little kind of Winnebago, traveled around. They would just show up at our house. You know, we lived about 20 minutes away and it would just be like, Hey, we're here. <laughs> you know, make some room at the dinner table. And you had this time of fluids, you know. They were only in their fifties at that point in time. And even though this was, you know, the seventies or and through the eighties, they had their health, they had time and, you know, family was important to them, you know, traveled all around the country. And then, you know, as they got up there in age, it became, Hey, if you wanted to see grandma and grandpa, you were going to their house. Uh, it just changed, you know, getting around was more difficult. Driving became more difficult. Really. It was just, you know, grocery store, you know, kind of their little diner and, uh, and church. And that was, that was pretty much it uh, after a while. And my grandfather passed less than 10 years ago and just just a little bit shy of his uh, 99th birthday. And uh, he just had a great sense of humor. I have his driver's license and he showed it to me and it was, it was, he renewed it at age 98 and in Pennsylvania it was good through age 102 <laughs> and he showed it to me. Wow. He's like, do you believe these idiots? <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, I, I guess I think of my grandfather, and he certainly beat you know that that longevity, um, beat the averages, and had a very very long life. Um, and maybe he was I don't want to say a trailblazer, but he was one of these you know kind of more of the early on sort of um, older retirees to have this really extended 
you know, retirement. Um, he used to joke about his pension. You know, he, he worked his entire life, but he was receiving his pension for more years than he worked for the company, which he worked for, for almost, uh, his entire working career. And, uh, it's different, but I, that story obviously has always stuck with me because it's, it's personal. And I always held my grandfather in high regard, but I think it also illustrates pretty well how retirement has changed. And this new retirement, again, you know, even though he, my grandfather wasn't a baby boomer, was, you know, he was in the Korean War. Actually, he was in World War II as well. But he was, I guess he shared a little bit more of some of the boomer traits. And I think the boomers have definitely taken it to a different level today. And, and definitely today, you know, one size doesn't fit at all. You think about the time influence that we have and the authors talk about certain zones that that time influence impacts, things like work, which which may sound counterintuitive. We're talking about retirement, but now we're talking about work and we'll explore that more in the next episode. Leisure, which is certainly a little bit more, you know, commonplace or or typical when people think of retirement. Health, which is certainly the staple of <laughs> of happiness. If you don't have your health, probably not going to be incredibly happy in retirement. The authors talk about family. Candidly, I would probably rephrase this as relationships. Uh, I'm very familiar with work that others have done in this space and retirement satisfaction where um, their conclusions show that it's not really about having family, but about the quality of your relationships with others more broadly, whether you know you share a common bloodline or not. You know, things impacting your home, where you live, uh, finances, of course, as well as purpose. And just kind of a few tidbits from this, but in terms of work, uh, the authors quote regularly throughout the early parts of the book that seven in 10 workers expect to work past the age of 65. And we'll, we'll dive into this a little bit more in the next episode, but, um, but I can tell you in actuality that that, and this isn't just from our client base, but that, that tends not to happen. So there tends to be a difference between your expectations while you're still working and then what actually happens. And I'll leave a bit of a cliffhanger here, but, um, it, it may it may not be what you expect, and and the data does show that people don't work as long as they t- tend to think that they will. You, you're um, you're uh, ringing bells in my head already. I, I can think of my folks fitting right into that category. Dad being in that category of, I'll never stop working. I'll never be able to stop working. And mom thinking probably she was going to ha- sure didn't want to, but probably would have to work till sixty eight or something like that. And here they both are a little over a year away now, and both will be done at or before 65. So Interesting. Def- definite disconnect there between expectation and reality. Absolutely. I'll, I'll share a lot more. I have a lot of client stories to, to share about that and, and related in, in the next episode. But all of those all of those things, when you have a lot more time and you think about all the things that you know will impact you know, your life and happiness and satisfaction and just some of the things that change physically for us as we age, particularly as it relates to our home decisions and what have you. Really, the the book gets into impacts on all these areas. And when you come down to it, there may be some broad categories or broad groups of people, but you know, we're we're all those snowflakes. I mean, it's it's so individualized. It's really about what you want and what you want to make it. And from my own personal experience, um, sometimes people know this going into retirement. They know where they want to spend their time. They already have really well-defined social circles outside of work. 
uh, which, uh, you know, tends to be pretty important. And it, it's like, you know, they don't miss a beat. They just kind of change where they're spending their time. But usually it's a little bit more passion driven and the relationships are there. They're financially secure. You know, they're doing some things for fun that check the boxes on, you know, the leisure and travel and bucket list and things like that. And it's great. Other times, and, and, and this is a regular occurrence. It may take a while, you know, to kind of find that groove. Um, you know, any transition evokes stress, whether it's good stress or bad stress. Uh, you see, generally speaking, that a lot of people will kind of have a grass is greener sort of mentality for a while and they'll really enjoy it. Um, some people may get bored with it quite candidly and then kind of really work to find that groove and, and find out where they're going to get satisfaction from spending their time. But in general, no doubt, retirement has evolved over time. It's going to continue to evolve. And the key point about this, it's really two things. I mean, it's our increasing longevity, and we've had such a wealth increase in this country, particularly over the last 100 years or so, that it's just given us so many more options than versus what prior generations have had. Um, so I think that's hopefully setting the stage fairly well for where we've been historically and where the future is going to continue to evolve again you know who knows but you see some people making predictions that our longevity is going to be significantly more than what it is today you know kind of covid aside and you know, some of the things we've been dealing with more recently i don't think we'll really get into you know the idea of the average person living to 120 or 130 but there's some pretty smart people out there that think that's you know within reach of our lifetime which is exciting and scary <laughs> all rolled into one when you think mm -hmm. about it that's a completely different financial plan but this time affluence that we have i mean you know people have it um, to varying degrees and we have more resources so how you're going to spend that time intentionally and derive satisfaction you know, it's going to continue to evolve and probably continue to improve, giving us more choices. But I think with anything, you really need to be intentional about it to drive that satisfaction. It's going to be interesting when uh, we start staying retired longer than we worked in our lives. That'll be, I mean, I guess some people are getting pretty close to that milestone um, with their longevity at this point. And if, if we indeed go to 120, 130, we'll definitely be uh, surpassing that. Uh, it's kind of weird to think about that a little bit, Kevin, but... It's, it's pretty much on the cusp of truth, perhaps, in the next couple of years. Yeah, my grandfather wasn't far away from it. It's definitely happening, and it'll be a much more common occurrence moving forward. Well, great scene setter, Kevin. Looking forward to breaking down some of the takeaways from this book in future episodes as well. Again, it's What Retirees Want. We're going to be picking apart uh, different parts of this book, getting Kevin's opinion on where he agrees and disagrees with certain elements bringing to light several different, uh, I think, very valuable conversations all coming up for you in the future. If you've got any questions at any time uh, as you listen to this episode or past episodes of Retire Smarter and you want to talk to Kevin about meeting, having a conversation about questions you have about your plan uh, for the future, your finances, your retirement plan, get in touch very easily by calling 855-TWD-PLAN, 855-TWD-PLAN. Or you can go to truewealthdesign.com. That's truewealthdesign.com. And click on the Are We Right For You button to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. Again, that's truewealthdesign.com. Or just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for the necessary contact info and links. Kevin, great first episode of the new year. Looking forward to another one with you soon. Thank you, Walt. Happy New Year. You as well. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Retire Smarter.
Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.